Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Uh, Romans chapter 4, as we prepare to receive tonight, let's turn to Romans chapter 4, and I do have a specific assignment in, in my heart to deliver tonight. And it's so good. I haven't been here with you in a while so uh, because I've been recovering. And you can see I am, I am mobile. There is no limitations. Amen. And so I'm, I'm thrilled to have the opportunity to, together at this time. Amen. To come at this time and to, uh, to enter in to what God has for us this weekend. Romans chapter 4, and I want to begin in verse 17. And it says, As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations, before him whom he believed, even God who quickens the dead and calls those things which be not as though they were. God who quickens the dead and calls those things which be not as though they were. And I want to talk to you tonight about verb tenses and specifically faith's verb tense because when we are operating in faith, we want to be accurate. The Bible says for us to examine ourselves and see if we be in faith. How do we do a self-examination for faith? Where do we look? How do we determine, am I operating faith or am I not operating faith? If the scripture instructs us to examine this area, there's a reason the scripture instructs us to give our attention and to give our, our effort to determine, am I in faith? And I believe it's because mental assent can look so much like faith. Mental assent is looking at something and agreeing with it, mentally assenting that, yes, the Scripture says that, yes, the Bible promises that, yes, Jesus did that for me, and the Christian bobblehead experience of saying, I, be- I know that's in the Bible, I believe that, I-, I-, I recognize that as Scripture, but then being fooled to think that that's enough to produce faith that just knowing it and recognizing it and identifying and even being able to quote the chapter and verse, that's not a sufficient flow or operation of faith in our hearts. So what we want to recognize then is how do I determine am I in faith, is faith operative in my life, and where do I look? And so we, we know we would look at the heart because with the heart man believes. Is my heart full? Is my heart full or am I uh, half full? Is my heart full of the word? Have I been meditating in the word? Is the word abiding in me? 
And then we would look at the mouth because the mouth is the indicator of what's really in the heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, Matthew chapter 12 says, the mouth will speak what's out of the abundance of the heart. So if it is not abundantly in the heart, it's not going to put faith in the words that I speak. So with the mouth, we can determine where we are in the language of faith. So because God speaks the language of faith, let's first of all determine how God uses words. Have you ever heard of something called the law of first mention? Anybody ever heard of the law of first mention? It's a study of the Bible. It's a, a, a determining uh, boundary, if you will, or a standard by which we study the Bible that the first mention of something in the Scripture sets the precedent of how it is to be interpreted in the other parts of the Scripture. The first mention of the use of words is found in Genesis. And God said... How God used words, his very first use or operation of words was not communication to get one thought to another person. His very first operation or use of words was to create. God said, and it was. God said, let there be light, and there was light. So because we are created in God's image, in his likeness, as speaking spirits with the capacity to use words in the same operation as he uses words in the same way that he uh, applies words to be used, we are to use our words to create. To use our words to create the atmosphere we want in our home to use our words to create the, the direction that we're going in our life, to use our words to set what is permitted in our life and what is not permitted in our life. No chaos, no drama for this mama. I'm not interested in, no, we don't, we don't need any of that attitude here. This is a peace-governed house. This is a joy-governed house. Amen. My life is a joy life. My, peace, my life is a peace life. Amen. Only the blessing operating. If it's not verbalized, if you're not creating that boundary, then the enemy doesn't know how far he can go and he's going to test that boundary. So our words create. And then we see that God did something else. I, I want to go ahead and look so that I'm not just uh, telling you. I want you to see it. Genesis chapter 1, we know God said. But then we also see... Uh, the repetition of it. And so if you turn to Genesis chapter 1, mark it, underline it, highlight it, however you want to. I just want to walk through a little bit of this. Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, and God said. Verse 5, God called. Verse 6, and God said. Verse 8, God called. Verse 9, and God said. Verse 10, and God called. Verse 11, and God said. Verse 14, God said. Verse 20, and God said. Verse 22, and God blessed them, saying. Verse 24, and God said. Verse 26, and God said. And verse 28, and God blessed them, and God said. So, and then verse 29, and God said. We don't want to leave that one out. 
So when we, when we look at these, we see how God created. God used his words to create his desire, what he wanted. He spoke what he wanted. And then he also, the second use of words that we see there in verse 5 was God called. Or we would say he arranged. <clears throat> he set in order how he wanted that to be. He created it and then he set the boundary of how it would operate. He set a specific design of how it would work. For instance, he said that the seed would only bring forth after its kind. A tomato will always produce tomato plants because God set that as a boundary. Tomatoes will never produce watermelons because God set that boundary with his words when he called it. He created first, he, he secondarily, the use of words is to set things in order or to arrange them, and then third was to bless. He used those three uses before he ever communicated. Before he ever communicated just in conversation, he already established three uses of words that are to be dominant in our life. They are to be the way that we're to, we're to imitate God. We're to follow His example. And so that's why we don't say, you, you silly boy, you're never going to amount to anything. We speak words that we want. We create, we set things in order, we arrange it, we subdue it. That's another word for, for that word called. When God called, he arranged subdued to put in order. Hebrews chapter 11, which is the, the foundation of our faith builders' churches, is through faith we understand that the worlds were framed, fashioned, arranged, subdued, put in order. That's the word. That's the word. Through the word of God, through God used his faith and his words to arrange and to put in order and sub, to subdue the worlds in the, in the direction that he wanted them to go. Amen? And so this use of words has to have its operation in our lives as well. Our, when we are proficient in the use of words we will begin to see the situations and the circumstances responding more effectively and more immediately as we become more proficient in words. Somebody said to Charles Capps one time, they said, you know, I can, I can say something trying to speak my faith. I can speak my faith and it seems like I have to say it and say it and say it and stand for it and believe for it and just work it. But I can just say one negative thing and it comes to pass just like that. Why is that happening in my life? Why can I speak something negative and have it come into manifestation so quickly? And Brother Cap said, because you're highly developed in the negative. And so if we can be highly developed in the positive, not, not just positive speaking, but the, the positive side of faith, if we can be highly developed in believing that the words that we say will come to pass and we are so diligent over our mouths, not in a, um, not in a, uh, in a, a, a way that is bondage because it's really freedom. When you get the power of your words working for you, you'll find freedom that you never knew before. 
It, there's more bondage in speaking the wrong thing out of your mouth. There's more uh, attacks of the enemy that are uh, opened the door to without meaning to just by speaking the wrong words, just by opening our mouth and, and permitting some things that we should be prohibiting in our life. And so there's a proficiency that needs to be gained in our faith-filled words that we need to recognize my words are not just random, uh, uh, doesn't really matter, nonchalant speech coming out of my mouth, but I can take my words and I can call things that be not as though they were. Now this is the key. It said in Genesis chapter 4, or Romans chapter 4, that God called things that be not. That be not. We don't, that doesn't even sound like good English. And we can't necessarily blame it on the King James translators. God calls things that be not. Well, in English, if you go back to your elementary or high school English where they talk to us about the the state of being verb, the state of being verb, it doesn't follow all of the conjugations like a normal verb would follow. If you were to say, uh, I ran, I, I run, you run, we run, they run, and then we go into past tense, I ran, you ran, they ran, she ran. We, we have a, a certain standard of how the conjugation of that verb would go, but the state of being verb follows its own pattern. It has a whole different pattern, so they had to spend a whole different lesson, probably a whole week or a couple of weeks, just teaching us the state of being verb. And it's the verb be, the verb be, but it doesn't ever... Uh, in, the, in the present tense, it says, it, you wouldn't say, I be. I be happy. I be joyful. I be going somewhere. Right? We would say, I am. I am is present tense for the state of being verb. I am. And then you follow that with, with a description of what is actively taking place or actively true in your life. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am bought by the blood. I am a new creature in Christ. Old things are passed away. All things are created new. I am the head and not the tail. I am above and not beneath. I am always going over. Just mark it down. Watch for it. I am always going over. Amen. I am that. What am I doing? I am declaring something that I am. I am. And then we would say, you are. You are, they are, we are. The, that is a present tense conjugation, a present tense for what is active. And God calls those things that be not, not as though they are, but as though they were. He would say it already has taken place. Faith is going to put it as a finished work. Faith is going to put something over into a, a category in time, establishing it as finalized, establishing it as completed. So when we are saying, remember what we're trying to do, we're trying to examine to find out, am I in faith? 
Is faith operating or am I in mental assent? Am I just mentally assenting that that's what God wants for me? That's what the Bible says about me. That's what the scripture says. Am I just mentally connecting to it and saying yes? Or here's another, another thing to watch for, hope. Hope is a necessary part of faith. We need hope for faith to have something to build. But hope is a poor receiver. Hope in, its, in and of itself is not, is not built or have the capacity to receive the promise of God. Hope is like a blueprint. If you take a blueprint and you put that blueprint out on the table, you can see the dimensions of the house. You can see this is where the front door is. This is where the bay window is going to be. This is how many uh, uh, bathrooms we're going to have on the lower floor. This is where the closets are going to be in the master bathroom. This is in the master bedroom. We can determine all those different dimensions of the house we can visualize it with the blueprint of hope but you can't live in that blueprint you can't put your furniture in that blueprint you can't you can't move your family into that blueprint it's it's giving you an image hope provides the image hope makes that image clear but hope in and of itself is not the receiver Faith is the substance of things hoped for. So we need the element of hope. How do I know when I've moved from hope over into faith? How do I, that's the question that we want to answer as we look at this. How do I determine that I am persuaded? How do I determine if I am in the faith operation which has a certainty to it? Faith is certainty. Faith is assurance. Faith is, is a, a, um, a, a, a confidence. When we say, for instance, this is the confidence that we have in Him if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us and we know if He hears us we have the petitions that we have. That's a description of faith in praying. Because if there's confidence... There's faith. If there's a surety, there's faith. And so how do I know if I'm just not mentally confident or if I'm actually of the heart believing? How do I know that I have that in my heart substance of faith? Faith is a substance. Faith is not a feeling. It's not a, a mystical uh, a condition that you move into at some point. Faith is more real than anything you can see. Faith is more real than anything you can touch. Everything that you can see came because faith created it. Through faith, the worlds were framed. God used faith, the substance of faith, to bring into existence every seen thing. So even though it's invisible, it's more real than what is visible. And that's where we have to practice walking in the Spirit. That's where we have to practice learning how to identify the difference between the Spirit and the soul. That's why we need the Word. The Word will divide. The Word will, will divide and make a difference between what's in my, my soul and what's in my spirit. And when I allow the Word to identify, am I in faith? 
Is there a certainty? Do I have that confidence? Is it just a mental of I'm trying to work myself up mentally to say, okay, I'm believing, I'm believing, I'm believing. Oh, I'm believing, Lord, I'm believing. I don't know what I'm doing. Lord, help me. You know, if we're just trying to work it up until we feel like we're in faith, then uh, we need to be enough transparent with ourselves to say, wait a minute, I need to go back into the Word until faith comes. Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing. Faith doesn't come by having heard. Faith comes by the action of hearing. So even though you heard some faith last week, that's like saying, I made a deposit last paycheck. I can keep on swiping and keep on swiping even though there hasn't been any more deposit made in my account. Well, you've already spent what was deposited out of that last paycheck. And so uh, don't assume that you can keep swiping. Don't assume that just because you heard faith once or that you heard faith last week or that you attended church once last week or you listened to a whole faith series on your CD player that now you've got faith. You've spent that faith. You've used that faith. You know what pastor says? Every day is a faith day. You use your faith every day. So that means you need to maintain your faith every day. You need to feed your faith every day. You've got to have faith as a priority because you're a believer. That's, that's who we are. That's what we do. We are believers. And if you're a believer, then what do believers do? Believe. <laughs> that's what we do. That's how we live. The just shall live by what? By faith. That's how we live. This is our lifestyle. Faith is the lifestyle of the believer because the just shall live by faith. And so faith is not hard. Go ahead and put that in your notes in big, bold letters. Faith is not hard. Faith is not hard. You're a believer. You're built to believe. Faith isn't hard. Faith is easy for us. It's not, it, it's, God puts faith in His Word. So all we have to do is partake of the Word, hear the Word. And if we are receiving the Word, faith is coming. Faith comes by hearing. Faith comes. That's truth. So you say, well, I heard, I heard, but I'm not... Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. The Bible says faith comes by hearing. If you're hearing, faith has come. And there was a man in the book of Acts and who heard Paul preach. He heard Paul preach. And Paul recognized and, and identified this man has faith to be healed, but he wasn't. There was no evidence of healing. There was no action that healing had taken place, but Paul identified faith had come. He said, faith has come. This man has faith to be healed, and he gave him a faith command, and when the man acted on it, the healing manifested, but the, the, the word had produced. Paul didn't lay hands on him. Paul didn't minister the healing anointing to him. That man got healed by the preached word being heard. He heard the word and faith came and healing was available in that faith and when he acted on it, 
when he released his action in line, that corresponding action, because faith has a corresponding action to it, when, it, when he released and made that connection, then the manifestation of the healing took place. So this is why we've got to uh, allow the Holy Spirit to teach us how to determine, am I in faith or am I in hope? Am I in faith or am I mentally assenting to this? And again, we're going to look to our words. We've got to listen to our words. If you've ever uh, listened to Charles Capps uh, when he taught about the power of words, he identified that in the beginning, your words are not going to be uh, doing very much on the outside circumstance because that first, that first level of speaking the word to yourself is, is building the faith in you. It's depositing the faith in your heart. It's, it's causing faith to come as you confess the word of God. And as that faith comes... It's building a, a, a supply of faith in your heart. And that's, that's something that has to be understood because too many people say, okay, okay, I got this faith thing. I got to call, I got to say it, I got to speak it, I got to say it. And so, okay, I'm going to say it, I'm going to say it, I'm going to say it. And then they get out there and they're saying and they're looking and they're saying and they're looking and they're saying and they're saying, it's not working. I'm looking and nothing's changing. I'm looking and I don't see anything happening. We don't live by what we see anyway. We walk by faith and not by sight. One translation says never by appearance. Never, never, never determine if your faith is working by appearance. I don't look at what I see to say, okay, it's working. I say it's working because God said it's working. God said His Word is sharper than any two-edged sword. It's alive. It is active. It is energizing. So his word will not return to him empty. It won't return to him void or without accomplishing what he sent it to do. So if I'm sending his word, then it's working. If I'm sending what God said, it's working no matter what it looks like to me, no matter what I see, no matter what I feel like, it's working. It's working. It's working. Healing power is working. It's working. And the, the disappointment that people sometimes feel because they've started saying the right thing and they're speaking the word, but they're expecting to look and, and they're looking at that situation and when they don't see what they expect to see in that situation, then they back off of what they were saying and, and determine it's not working. When they didn't realize that it was working here first, they were still just putting it in their heart, putting it in their heart, putting it in their heart. Brother Kenneth Hagin ministering on the road with a tangible healing anointing. He was out in week-long, week, week long, three weeks, four weeks, five weeks meetings, preaching on healing, teaching on healing and faith. And he gets news from his wife that his, one of his children has uh, uh, something wrong. I think it was with her eye. And Sister Pat. And, and even though Brother Hagen is teaching on healing every day and teaching on faith every day, he said... 
I took specific time in addition to what time I was studying for my messages. I took spe specific time to focus on healing scriptures for myself, for me. And he said for a number of days, day after day, he would take a few hours, he would go into those scriptures, he would feed on those scriptures. And when faith was in him, he was teaching it. He was ministering, healing, laying hands on the sick. You would have thought just by, just by the natural mind, well, he knows enough healing scriptures. He's got it in him because he's teaching it. But he wanted to feed on it to put a supply in his spirit so that when he got to a certain place of feeding on those scriptures, then he prayed for her. And she was healed. What an example for us. What an example for us. That when we go to believe God for something, what do we need first? We need the Word of God. If I'm going to have faith to believe for it, I have to have the Word to have faith to believe. So if I say I'm believing for something, that it would be appropriate for me to have a scripture to back up what I say I'm believing. Because if I don't have a scripture, I don't have faith. To have Bible faith, you have to have Bible. And so to have faith, you have to feed on the Word, not just know it, not just believe that that Word is true, but you have to put the Word in your eyes and in your ears, causing the faith to come. Faith is voice activated. That's why it's appropriate for you to speak the Word to yourself. It's appropriate for you to open up these scriptures and say, Father... Not just quote it, not just quote it, hear me. Open up to the scripture, put it in your eyes, because remember Proverbs 4.20, attend, keep it in front of your eyes. So you open up, you find the scripture, you then open up your mouth and begin to speak it out loud to yourself. And you say, Father, according to 1 Peter 2.24, who his own self bear our sins and his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness by whose stripes I was healed. And so I've got it in my eyes. It's imprinting it in my heart. I've got it in my mouth. It's going into my ears. It's getting down into my heart. And then, then I'm not moving a mountain yet. I'm not moving a mountain. What am I doing? I'm putting it in my heart. When it gets in abundance in my, in my heart, it'll come out of my mouth and it'll work without me trying to work it. That's why faith isn't hard if you've taken the time to get faith. <laughs> Believing is hard if you're trying to do it in your mind, if you're trying to do it with your feelings, if you're trying to say, I'm believing for that. Oh, I'm going to cast down imaginations. I'm believing for that. Oh, I'm going to keep, I'm going to, I'm going to keep my, my confession in line with that. I, I'm believing for that. All of those things are, are elements of believing, but they're not the foundation of the believing. The believing starts with taking the Scripture, putting the Scripture in my eyes, in my mouth, speaking it verbally to myself so that I am depositing it in my heart. You know, there's some faith that comes by you hearing the sermon preached. You can get faith delivered to you. We know that because that man who heard Paul preach, faith came to him. But when you speak the word of God, you don't have to wait till pastor gets on that subject. 
to build your faith. You don't have to wait till he comes out with a sermon series on that subject. Say, well, you know, I need some faith on certain subjects. But pastor hadn't preached that yet, so I got to hold on. Hold on. No, you don't have to hold on. You don't have to wait. You can go to the scripture and you can, you can put the word in your own heart and make that deposit. When God was dealing with my husband and I about coming out of, of, of finding, we were so broke. It was sad how broke we were. We were, we, and we weren't really in debt at that time. We were just really broke. And, and we were believing to receive what the scripture clearly stated was the blessing of God and the increase of God. And so the Lord told us to turn off all other information except scripture and teaching about his plan for our finances. And so we put blankets over the TVs in the house. Thank God it was summer because we sent all the kids out to play on that trampoline. Remember on 7548 Corona? Go out and play on the trampoline. We put blankets over the TVs. The kids didn't watch anything. The only thing is I, w- I would record these teachings about the, the, the blessing covenant, the financial plan of God for our life. And so we would listen to those. We would meditate on those. We didn't even listen to gospel music, any, any worship music. We had preaching about finances in the car when we would go back and forth to, to work or to church. We had it in the house. We were, we, and at the time, uh, I began to gather these scriptures about my finances, and I was still babysitting children at the time, and so I would, get, I would go over some of the scriptures in the morning before they got there, and then when I would lay them all down for a nap, I would go and finish the other half of those scriptures because it took a while, and so I would speak these scriptures out loud to myself, and I remember the first time I pulled those scriptures out, and I began to speak them. I felt like I was lying. I almost wanted to repent and say, Lord, I feel like I'm lying. Because I was saying I'm blessed coming in and I'm blessed coming out. And I was so broke. Carl Buddingham, you know, you can see through Carl. You could hold it up to the light. And, and I, if, if, I was, if I was generous, they got two slices on their bread. You know, we were, and, and spam, have mercy. I mean, we, we, we were, I felt like I was lying when I said I'm blessed coming in and I'm blessed coming out. I I felt like I was lying when I said God shall increase me more and more. I felt like I was lying as I spoke those scriptures out, but I I kept doing it. I just kept speaking those scriptures out. And I would pull out those same scriptures and I I would turn to each one of them in my Bible. I would utter them out of my mouth. And about 30 days into that 40 day time, one day I opened up the scripture. And I began with the same scriptures that I had been going over every day. But when I opened my mouth and began to speak that scripture, it came out with such a force. It wasn't volume. I didn't increase my volume. I wasn't just a voice inflection. If I could compare it to, uh, to this, the first day when I started, it was feather faith. And it just floated down like a feather. That's how far my words went. But that day when I opened it up, it was like a bullet that came out of my spirit. And, and I knew everything was going to change. Everything had changed because faith had come. 
When I began to speak, I knew it was moving something. It was changing something. There was faith in my words. Before that time, if you had asked me, Michelle, are you in faith? I would have answered yes. I would have said, I am in faith. But faith hadn't come. I was in the process of faith. I was in the building stage of faith. You know, when you're getting ready to build a house, you get that blueprint. And then you take the blueprint. And with the blueprint, you can determine the resources you're going to need. And you start ordering the plywood, the roofing, the, the, the two-by-fours. You start ordering all of the different components that you're going to need to put together. That's what's happening in that first stage of building your faith. You're just gathering the faith out of that scripture and getting it into your heart, putting it into your heart so that your heart can process it and take it through that combustion of chamber of faith so that it can produce faith in your words. If, if, if we just go to the situation with feather faith and we're giving all of our might, we're giving all of our strength and we're, we're saying it, we're saying it, but we haven't first built it in the heart, we're just talking loud. We're just, we're just using our breath but not putting faith in the words. You cannot skip that part of faith. You can't, that first you have to have faith to speak faith. For, your, for, for faith-filled words to move your mountains. And notice Jesus said, if you, would, if, you, if you say to this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in your heart, but believe that the words that you speak, the words that you say shall come to pass, you will have whatsoever you say. Whosoever shall say to this mountain... So it's not just the saying in itself. That component, if someone just runs with that part of the component and they're saying, but they haven't taken the first step of putting faith in their words so that they believe that the things that they say will come to pass, that's not a mental activity. Believing the things you say come to pass is not something that happens with the mind. It's not something you can even feel with your emotions. Woo, woo, I felt that. I, I, woo, praise God. I was in faith when I said that. A lot of times it's just an emo, a, a worked up emotion. A lot of times it's just the, the atmosphere. Or you could be in a setting, a corporate setting where there's corporate faith in activity and then you walk out thinking, woo, that was me. <laughs> That was the flow of faith in the, in the room of all of the believers coming together. When we begin to listen to our words, when we begin to recognize the words as indicators of am I in the blueprint stage where I'm still gathering resources or am I in the stage where faith is in my heart abundantly and loading my words with them. The way for us to determine which stage we're in is to listen to what we're saying. Listen to what we're saying. And that'll take us back to the tenses. God calls things that be not as though they were. The calling is an establishing. The calling is arranging and subduing. 
So if God wants to put something into operation, He uses His words and He calls it. But notice specifically, He calls it as though it were. Not going to be. God calls it. So God called light be. Amen? Amen. He called it into existence. Light be. And light was. And then he began to arrange it. And set it in order. Heavens you be here. Waters, this is how far you go. He began to establish how he wanted it to be. Amen? When... Let's look at... Genesis 15. Genesis chapter 15. And let's, let's see Abraham. Actually, Abram, before God changed his name. The difficulty he was having in connecting with the promise of God. Genesis chapter 15. And verse... Two, and Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me seeing I go childless? This is 15. God had already called him the father of many nations. God had already called, said to him in chapter 12, God had already said to him, that I am going to make your name great. I will make of you a great nation. How can you be childless and you be the source of a great nation? When God said, I will make of you, in Genesis chapter 12, verse 2, I will make you a great nation, He is saying, you're going to have so many children, an entire nation, an entire race is going to come from you. But He said, I am childless. And God said, what? That's news to me. We do not see eye to eye. That is not what I said at all. So he, he did not, God did not change what he said. God did not adjust his stand. He didn't say, Abram, wow, I am so far off. You are so right. You are childless. And I was clueless about it. I, I'm, I'm the last to know that you're childless. No, God said, that, that's not what I see and that's not what I said. I said, I will make of you a great nation. And that's what I said. I, and I'm not changing that. I said I would make of you a great nation. And so I've got to work on you to get you in line with what I said. And how did he do it? He said, tell the stars, so shall my seed be. Look at the sand, and if you can number the grains of sand, so shall your seed be. And according to Romans chapter 4, that was the phrase that he built his faith on. As it was written, as it was spoken, so shall your seed be. So shall your seed be. So God gave him something 
that would go in the eyes. And something, when it says tell the stars, it's not just sit there and in, in your silently to yourself count them. One of the definitions is tell them. Declare to the stars, so shall my seed be. So shall my seed be. So shall my seed be. So he had to put his mouth in line with what God said. And then God changed his name. So that when he introduced himself, he is no longer introducing himself as Abram childless. I'm not, he's not introducing himself as childless. He is introducing himself as the father of many nations. And he, his wife has never been able to have children. And he's past the age himself of producing children. And he's saying, I am the father of many nations. Not, I'm going to be the father of many nations. Notice that he didn't, his, his faith did not come by saying, I'm going to be the father of many nations. He had to say, I am already. God has already made me. My, see my tents? I am the father of many nations. So if you want to bring something into manifestation in your life, use the I am. When God said, I am the I am, he said, I am the state of being. If you bring my word, it's going gonna, it's gonna to dominate the condition of the life that you're now living. It's going to dominate that. You, it, your, your circumstances might say that you, you're limited in your finances. But you don't have to say that. God didn't say that. God never said you're on a fixed income. So don't you say it. And don't let others say it. And you just go ahead and override that and say, no, I'm in the blessing. I'm overcoming. I'm, I'm in the, the overflow. God shall increase me more and more. Amen? You use the I am to change the condition of what is. Because God changes what is by saying with a faith application in a way that dominates the current situation. God uses His Word and it has to come out of the heart through the mouth and change the situation. I want to show you specifically in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. This is, this is God's method that He gave us. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 28, or let's start in 27, but God has chosen... Okay, God has chosen these things. This is God's choice. This is God's preferred method of operation. If we want to operate the way God operates, He has provided for us clearly His choice. God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and things which are despised has God chosen and... Things which are not to bring to naught things that are. God has chosen things that are not to nullify, render idle and inoperative the things that are. So if lack is operative, how do I stop it? 
How do I render it inoperative in my life? How do I nullify the operation of lack in my life? I take what is not in manifestation and I apply it to what is in manifestation by calling for it. Calling, again, is arranging, subduing, putting in order. Lack is out of order for the Word of God in my life. Lack has no right to be in my life. So what do I do? I call for the abundance. And I say, Father, I thank you that I have. Not going to have, because that's not faith. Faith is not going to. Faith is now. Now faith is the substance, the substance of things hoped for. So I, I have to hear what I'm saying and, and, and pick up on my own words because I've caught myself saying things like, I, I'm believing that's going to happen. And because I've trained my ear to catch my own words, then I have to correct myself and, and go back and restate that the way I want it. I believe I have it now. I believe it's mine now. You know, when I, when I call the pizza place and order a pizza and I pay for it either online or I give them my card over the phone and I pay for that pizza, that's my pizza in that oven. It's not in my house yet. I can't eat it yet. It's, in, it's still there in the pizza shop in their oven, but that's my pizza. And I'm watching for it. I'm, I'm thankful Papa John's has the tracking app so I can tell what street they're on. Get the paper plates out because we're not doing any dishes if we're, if we're calling for pizza, right? Get the paper plates. We're ready for pizza, right? It's almost here. That's my pizza. I, it is mine now. It's mine now, but I don't have it, but it's mine now. Why would we have more faith in the pizza company or the shoes that we ordered from Dillard's or, or the, whatever you ordered from Amazon and you say, my Amazon package is coming today, but I'm going to have one day what I'm believing for. We've got we've to move over into the operation of faith and call those things that be not as though they were as though it's already established, that it's, it's mine now. I'm not waiting for it. I'm not putting it off. So Abram, until he changed his verb tense, was not connecting to the power of God to provide the promise. The power was available. The promise was available. God, Abraham, Abram was not waiting on God all those years. Some people say he was, he was 99, he was got 75 when he received the promise, or when he, it, the, the promise was spoken to him, and 99 before it came into manifestation, and God made him wait. He made God wait. He made God wait. God's, God's not about giving you a promise and then dangling it over you for 20 years and making you wait for it. Oh, come on, just keep believing, just keep believing, keep believing. It was until the, when he began to speak in line with what God said about him as being, I am the father of many nations and so shall my seed be within the time of life, within that nine months, the manifestation of the promise occurred. He had a child. So it wasn't he was waiting on God. God was waiting on him to get in faith.
There are things that God's waiting on us. But we've been waiting on God and, and we've been so patient. Oh, Lord, I'm patient. He's like, what are you being patient about? Go get it. It's yours now. It's yours now. You know, this isn't, uh, I, I'm being patient. And there is an application of the patience in some areas. But there are things that people are waiting on God and God has already made it available. There are things that are ours by covenant that we don't have to wait one day. You don't have to wait one day. Healing is yours by covenant right. You never have to wait. You're not waiting on God to heal you. Healing has already been paid for the moment. Jesus, with the stripes ripping through his back, tearing the flesh and the muscle off of his back until his back was one bleeding wound. From that moment, healing was yours. You weren't even alive yet. You didn't even have a body that needed healing, but healing was yours. Healing was paid for. It was provided for. And that's what we've got to recognize. There are things that are ours by covenant that require the covenant application of faith for the receiving. For the receiving. Look at Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, I want to look specifically at verse 2. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. So the word was present and they heard it. You know, when Jesus explained the parable of the sower, the word was present in the soil of every example. The wayside soil, the word was present. The stony ground, the word was present. The thorny ground, the word was present. And the good ground, the word was present. All of them heard it. And and the word was good in each example. But the condition of the heart was the determining factor of the end result. The end result of the wayside soil was that the thief came immediately and stole the word that was sown. The end result of the stony ground was that the difficult situation came out and killed the word. The thorny ground, the word had grown even to the point that it was further matured than it was in the stony ground. But in the thorny ground... It was destroyed and the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He's after the word. He's really not as interested in you as he is the word getting in you. Because as long as he can keep the word out of you, you're not a threat and you're not going to see the manifestation of God working in your life. But So he's, he doesn't have to aim at you. He just has to aim at the word and try to hinder it from getting in you or hinder it, hindering it from coming to a fullness. But we don't care what the devil don't allow. We're going to believe God anyhow. We're going to grow the word anyhow. You have to come back from some old time to hear that song, We Don't Care What the Devil Don't Allow, right? We're going to, let the, we're going to be the good ground. 
that brings the production of the word to its fullness. We're going to be the good ground that causes the word to have its fullest operation in our life. And how are we going to do that? We're going to know the condition of our heart and know the, the uh, operation of our faith. So it says that in this situation, the word was preached. They heard the word, but they neglected to mix the word with faith. There were two out of that group that entered in. It says that all of this other multitude of people that had come out of Egypt, they did not enter in to the promise, but two did. Two mixed the word with faith what they heard it. So let's go back and look and see what those said. We'll look specifically in the book of Numbers. Numbers chapter 13. Let's look at Caleb's words in verse 30. Caleb stilled the people before Moses. What were they, why did he steal them? Because they were all hysterical. They had just heard this evil report. They had sent the spies into the land and they came back with an evil report partly because Moses told them to look for trouble. Moses said, you go in and you look at the land and you see if there be any walled cities. God never said that. God didn't tell him to look for walled cities. God said, you go see how good it is. You go see how tall that corn is. You go see how good that land is, how abundant the, the provision is. And you'll find out my word is true. But Moses told them, to look for trouble. They came back, found the trouble, and they came back and they said, well, there is evidence that God's word is true because we've got a cluster of grapes that it has taken two men to carry to drag it back here for us to see. There is a provision here. It is quite an abundant land. Nevertheless, there be giants, and we are like grasshoppers in our own sight. And... So the entire congregation picked that up and now they're hysterical and they're saying God's brought us out here to die and they're, they're uh, uh, in that defeat mode. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it for we are well able to overcome it. We are well able. We're not going to be well able we are. We are already. It's already established. It's established. We are. Do you see the state of being? It's not something I'm putting off into the future. It's something I'm establishing as fact in my life now because of the word. God said that he has given us this land. God said he's taking us into this land, that this is a land that flows with milk and honey. And so God said it. We are able. God is with us. We are able. Amen? Amen. That was him mixing the word with faith. He mixed it with faith when he said it. He, he said what God said, and that's how he mixed it with faith. God had, it was established on God's end, but for it to be established in our life, we have to say it. And we have to say it with faith. And and if the first time you say it, you don't feel like you're believing, don't check your feelings. Say it again. Just say it again. 
It's not feelings. There, there are times you're going to say something in faith and, and there's no feelings with it. There's no feelings. There can be all kinds of other feelings because when the enemy attacks, there are real feelings he brings to make you convinced that, that, that it's not going to happen. I love the story that Brother Hagen tells about the time that all of the things that he had been healed from, all of the ailment and the symptoms came back on him. You know, Brother Hagen was healed of a heart condition where his heart would stop beating. It would skip a beat. It would hesitate. It would stop beating and take like a moment or two before it would begin to beat again. He had had a, a blood disease that when they would draw his blood, it was orange. It wasn't even a red color. And so when God healed him, uh, you know, as a 16, 17-year-old boy, and he went out and obeyed God and, and became a preacher, many years later, a few years later, I want to say uh, in, uh, maybe in his early 20s, he is out preaching on the field, and these symptoms come back on his body. And he's in, in Brother Goodwin's, uh, Pastor Goodwin's home, in the home of the pastor where he's ministering. And so he doesn't want to wake them up. He pulls the cover over his head and he starts laughing. Ha, 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 ha. Ha, 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 ha. And the enemy to his mind says, what are you laughing about? I'm laughing at you, devil. The devil says, you're not going to get healed this time. You're not going to get healed this time. All these symptoms are back on you. You're not going to get healed. Ha, 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 And he said, I didn't feel like laughing. And he said, I, I forced myself to laugh. And if you ever heard Brother Hagen, it was har, 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 har. He's, he's, he doesn't feel it, but he's laughing. And again, the thought comes to his mind, what are you laughing about? I'm laughing at you, devil, because you said I'm not going to get healed this time. And about three different times, he's laughing. The thought comes again to his mind, what are you laughing about? The devil's saying, what are you laughing about? I'm laughing at you, devil, because you said I'm not going to get healed. And then he said, I'm laughing because I'm already healed. I don't have to get healed. I'm already healed. But then the enemy said, you don't believe that. Look at your hands. Your hands are shaking. And he said, sure enough, I looked down at my hands and my hands, because his physical body remembered the feeling of what it felt like when his heart would stop. His physical body was responding to that natural feeling of his heart hesitating. And he said, that's okay. I'm not my body. I'm a spirit. I'm not my body. I'm not afraid. I'm already healed. Do you see why we need to know the difference? We need to, uh, we need to differentiate between what is my spirit and what is my soul. Because the soul can have all of the emotions ready to respond to that situation. The soul can have all of the feelings, have all of the, the natural responses, but we are not natural. We are born again. We are supernatural. We don't respond out of our soul. We don't respond out of our feelings. We have feelings. Oh, the Shunammite. I love the Shunammite. She had feelings. When, when she finally got to the man of God and threw herself at his feet, and Gehazi, you know, armor bearer failure 101 right here, the woman has wrapped her arms around the man of God's feet, and he's like trying to pull her off, 
And he says, her soul is vexed within her. Do you know it never came out of her mouth? Out of her mouth, she kept talking covenant. It is well. It is well. Shalom. I have nothing missing, nothing broken. That's what she was saying. I have nothing missing. He came and he said, how's your son? I have nothing missing, nothing broken. Her son wasn't breathing. There was no blood pumping through his body. He was laying lifeless on the bed in her home that she had prepared for the man of God. But she said, I have nothing missing and nothing broken where my son is concerned. And it was established unto her because the Word of God says, if you decree a thing, it shall be established unto you. What if she would have said what she felt? The feelings were there because the man of God could recognize it. He said her soul is vexed within her. So all of the feelings were there, but she never let them violate her words. She protected her words and kept faith in her words. And because of that, she connected to the power of God and the promise was manifest and the restoration occurred in her life. And that's what we've got to do. We've got to mix our faith with the Word of God. We've got to become united to the Word through our faith. Hallelujah. 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 A minister went to a conference. And in this conference, he knew of two people who were both battling cancer. He, he wanted to put his faith in agreement with them. And so he came to the first minister who had written articles about healing. And, and it was, you know, a faith conference. And, and this minister believed in healing. And he asked him, he said, Brother, I'm, I'm believing God with you. I want to stand with you just to find out where you are. You know, how's everything going in your stand? And the man said, I know that God is a healer. There are too many promises in the Bible that promise healing for me not to be healed. I know that uh, uh, by his... Uh, he, he kept saying what he knew and, and that he knew Jesus is a healer. I know Jesus is a healer. I know the, the scriptures in the Bible promise healing. And so the minister said, well, praise God. Praise God, I'm agreeing with you, I'm believing with you. And he said something just didn't connect. And then he went to the second person that he knew was standing against cancer and he asked that person, you know, where are you? How are you doing? And that person said, oh, honey, I'm the healed of the Lord. By his stripes I am healed. I'm healed all day long. I'm healed because Jesus was wounded for me, for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement necessary to attain my peace was upon him and by his stripes I'm healed. She was saying what was hers and the other man was saying what he knew. Do you see the difference in the verbalization? She had already received it. That man was, was, had not connected. The first person went to heaven, praise God, that he's in heaven. But the lesson for us to learn is to move over into 
the completed work. Move over into the place of receiving. That's my pizza in the oven. Those are my shoes on that UPS truck. They're mine. That's mine. I have it now. That is the indicator for you. If you're saying, I believe I'm going to have it. Gonna is hope. You're expecting and that's good. But you have not moved over into the stage of receiving yet. Hope is a poor receiver. Faith says I have it now. So we've got to, we've got, and, and don't fake it in trying to convince other people. It's, it doesn't matter what I think about your, your place of faith. There are too many people that are just trying to impress others with their faith. And they know the right words to say and they know the right Christianese language to talk. But it's really not about what I think about your faith stand. It's really about are you receiving or not. It's really about whether or not you are in an operation of faith that is uh, successfully connecting. Amen? Do you see how vital this is? That the word can be preached. That I can hear the word. But now I need to move it into a, a faith operation. And if God says it's mine now, I'm not waiting till I feel it. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am now because he became sin for me who knew no sin so that I could be made the righteousness of God in Christ. So I am now righteous. You know what that's going to make you do? You're going to look at every time the Bible says what happens to the righteous and you're going to say, Ooh, that's me. That's me. There is much treasure to be desired in the house of the right. That's me. That's my house they're talking about right there. Amen? It's going to change the way. It's, it's, it's a, a little adjustment, but it, it changes the whole course. You know, if you're flying an airplane, they might make a little adjustment. But without that little adjustment, they could be in another state. You make that little adjustment, it, it changes a huge course correction. Hallelujah. If I hear myself putting it off into the future, I have to stop and self-correct. I have to tune my ears to hear what I'm saying because it doesn't matter what other people are saying as much as it matters what I'm saying. If I'm putting it off into the future. The Bible says in Philemon 1.6 that our faith is made effectual by the acknowledging of what is ours in Christ. Acknowledging what is ours in Christ now. So as I'm acknowledging that I am the blessed, I, I am acknowledging that he has blessed me with every spiritual blessing. Do y'all remember the prayer of Jabez? It's a big to-do. A book was written, there were a whole lot of people, prayer of Jabez, whoa, prayer of Jabez, prayer of Jabez. And the prayer of Jabez, it's just that, that little portion of scripture oh Lord bless me enlarge my territory for us to come to God with that 
mentality of, Lord, I need you to bless me because I'm not, would be like me going to my husband and saying, marry me, please. I want to be your wife. Would you marry me? Would you take me as your wife? What can he do to make me more married to him? I mean, even if we confessed our vows to each other again, that doesn't make us more married. I'm as married to him as married can be. So for a New Testament believer in Christ to come and ask God to do something he's already done puts him at a disadvantage because there's nothing he can do more than he's already done in that area. For me to come and beg God to heal me, Lord, please heal me. I'm believing you for heal me. Lord, heal me, please. I'm believing you to heal me. He's at a disadvantage. What, what can he say to that? Because he's already healed me. It, it was, it's, a, it's a purchased provision of my covenant. For me to even come with that petition is inappropriate in my covenant. As inappropriate as it would be. Do you know how humiliating it would be for me to get up every day and ask my husband to marry me? Come on, please, marry me. I did. I did. And, and every day, I'm, I'm being your husband. I'm providing, I'm, 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 I'm covering, I'm, I'm your husband, I am your husband. So for us to ask our healer, when he said, I am the Lord that healeth thee, when he said, by his stripes, there's a reason 1 Peter 2.24 says were. Isaiah said, by his stripes we are. See the tense? But 1 Peter 2.24, why? Because in 1 Peter, Jesus had already purchased... So the purchase of the healing is paid for. Faith for healing is going to be hindered to the person who is asking for healing instead of saying, Father, I thank you that by the stripes I was healed. So I receive it now. I am the healed. I agree with it. I agree that I am healed. I don't feel it. Remember what Brother Hagen, and I use his example because he is the one who has helped me to learn these concepts He was focusing on Mark chapter 11. He'd been reading Mark chapter 11. The Holy Spirit kept him stuck right there at Mark chapter 11. And he came to a place where he said, Lord, if you stood by my bed tonight and told me I'm not believing, I would respectfully tell you, sir, that you are wrong. You're lying. I am believing with all all, all that I can. And that's what the Holy Spirit responded. You're believing with all you know. And then the Holy Spirit revealed that one adjustment to him. And he said, go back and read it again. And he said, Mark chapter 11, let's go ahead and put our eyes on it. It will never be exhausted. Mark chapter 11. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain... Verse 23, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says 
shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he says. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. And so even though he had read it and read it and read it and read it and read it, the Holy Spirit took him back after he had made that statement. If you stood by my bed and told me that I'm not believing you, I would tell you respectfully that you're wrong, you're lying, I am believing. And when he read that again, what things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive and you shall have. And all of a sudden the light came on. And he said, you mean I have to believe that I have it before I feel it. You mean I have to say I'm healed while I'm still paralyzed in this bed. While my heart is still skipping and and hesitating in my body. I have to believe that I have it. And when he made that adjustment, he was healed and up out of bed that, that that day. The healing power came upon him. Amen? Do you see the adjustment that we can make to our own words? I have it. I I agree with God. Hallelujah. Father, thank you for how you rescue us. Thank you, Father, for light that helps us correct to move into the fullness of the plan that you have for our life. To overcome those hindrances, Father. We thank you for it. We thank you for it. Lord, we receive this light tonight and we apply to our lives the instruction of your word to hear what we're saying to ensure that we are in agreement with what your word says about our lives. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just lift up your hands to the Lord and say this with me. Father, I agree with your word. Be it unto me according to your word. Not what I feel, not what I see, not what my previous experience might teach me, but what your word says. Let that be what I agree with. In Jesus' name, praise God. Praise God.